Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Splash Play podcast. We do fantasy, we do sports betting, we do DFS, and today we have Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus joining us. And Spags, I just want to take a quick thank you here to our loyal fans who have been signing our wedding registry guest book on iTunes. I mean, shout out to everyone. It's just nice to see it. You could say that they're eager to be a part of Splash Play, much like Eric himself is. And that's what we like here. We like the community. We've got some big stuff for you today. We have a $500 free contest. You can win up to $500 in that tournament with Thrive Fantasy. Lots of stuff, Pete, that we're doing for the community. We give, they give. That's how it goes. Let's hit the intro. It is impossible to not feel joy with our theme music. We've been doing this now for 10 weeks in a row, and I still bop along to it, and I feel like, oh, like, cool, it's showtime. I'm ready to go. I know, and I, you always know the mark of a good theme song when people ask you for the MP3. They're like, do you have the Spotify link? I'm like, this is an open source, <laughs> like, royalty-free <laughs> track. Like, it's not on Spotify, man. It's just some dude churning out a bunch of these in a basement somewhere, <laughs> being <laughs> held hostage and taken. Uh, but either way, we appreciate, I don't even know who made the theme song. I know it's called 80s Space Travel, I believe <laughs> is what it is. Works for me. Sounds about right. Either way, we appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're here for the first time or you're a regular who's been leaving us comments on Apple Podcasts, like Pete mentioned up top, our wedding registry. We want you guys to come in there, our guest book, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but we got a couple nice pieces of feedback from you guys on there. Actually, you know what? Let's do this real fast because I want to make sure we're rewarding people for you know giving us the, the due credit we deserve, Pete. And I feel like reading iTunes or Apple Podcast reviews, that's something that people do, right? Yeah, I checked them out. I saw one from Kevin and I forget... Um, who the other one was from it was from styles white if i'm remembering correctly and that was one where i was like well styles really put the nicest review like we could have paid this man to do it but he did it for free styles shout out to you styles g white by far my favorite fantasy football podcast the balance of humor and quality information for fantasy football is rare but spags and pete get it done apologies for being late and signing your guest book guys no no disrespect to kevin who's one of our guys always engaging on social media too doing his own fantasy content out there so uh give kevin tompkins a follow i don't know his handle offhand but um, styles really just did marketing copy for us. Like that's amazing. It's really nice when people do the work for you. It is, it is. That's kind of, you know, um, that's the end goal is to leverage our viewers. I mean, we have Willis. Willis is our official accountant, you know, by the, you know, the, um, the end game for this podcast is we actually have two people hosting the show for us facts and we don't <laughs> even have to do that. I mean, with the way AI is going, it's very possible <laughs> that we could just take our first few episodes here and turn it over if we were smart enough to figure that out. But um, either way, we appreciate you guys a bunch. Make sure you're following at Splash Play Pod on Twitter. First thousand followers on Twitter and Instagram, actually, same handle on both. will get followed back by us. So if you just want a free follower or if you want to, I don't know, feel good about yourself or somebody else, I'm reading the things. I open Twitter. I see everybody's tweets. Sometimes I throw a like if I'm feeling real frisky. But either way, make sure you're following at Splash Play Pod and check out the pinned tweet because that's that's the big thing this week. Um, we don't want to do too many plugs up top, but Thrive Fantasy is helping us put on this show every week here now. And uh, they're our first sponsor. And we really want you guys to come out and support here. Uh, so we actually got them to do something really nice for you guys. A uh, free roll contest, $500. You can find the pinned tweet on our at Splash Play pod handle. It gives you the details there. It's got a password on it. The password is win. 
um, which hopefully somebody will do there, one would think. But Pete, I mean, you know the deal here with uh, Overlay. You're doing your bankroll challenge for Roto Grinders and your own channel, but it's really important to get that free money in there. And uh, $500 for free on Thrive Fantasy. I did our first tournament the other day. I won 10 bucks just from you know doing one entry and barely paying attention. So I think it's a good move in there to get in there and try to build your bankroll. Yeah, it's fun too. Like the way they do the lines, it's a, you know, in our contest, I think there's, you know, 15 or so props to choose from. And, uh, you know, they, they run the gamut as far as, you know, there's completions, there's yards, there's combined receiving and rushing yards. So it's fun. You can pull up your projection system of choice. Uh, and if you want to compare that, see where the most value is, or maybe you're the hand builder and you just want to shoot from the hip, go from the gut here, but, uh, it is a free roll and, uh, thank you to thrive. I actually went through, I was already too excited. I went through and, and placed my 10 bets, uh, for this free roll contest earlier. So I'm, I'm locked and loaded. Yeah, it's a good deal over at Thrive. Again, check that link on our pin tweet at Splash Play Pod. You can also do bit.ly slash Thrive Splash, uh, capital T, capital S, to get you to that. Our little sign-up page, and they're giving you deposit bonuses up to $50. And again, as Pete mentioned, it's, it's prop bets. It's really simple here. Um, I'll tell you right now, Osmo uses a competitor site they, that sponsors them. Uh, they have some prop bets up on their projections. Pete, I know you used uh, some of the Blitz projections to figure some out. There's a lot of ways out there just to get easy projections. And quite frankly, by doing that, you're going to have a decent chance at winning money, especially in our free roll, because honestly, we don't even know how many people will sign up. <laughs> There's still $500 in there either way. So go ahead, use the promo code SPLASH if you deposit and check that link on our pin tweet at Splash Play Pod. Pete, we're recording a little early day because of Eric Eager's schedule, who I don't know if we can give the full details here, but the flex of all time while we had to record uh, basically a 20 minute window with Eric coming up. Yeah, he's doing something with the Fox broadcast tonight. I know, uh, I actually don't know in what capacity. He is assisting them, but I know pro football focus is, you know, closely aligned with the NFL and a lot of these broadcasts, of course, with Chris Collinsworth um, being the head there. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to ask him uh, what he's up to uh, tonight and uh, yeah, excited to run through the slate with him. Super sharp guy. Saw he was doing a prop show earlier tonight, you know, really focusing on, you know, fantasy DFS and props, but again, from that really analytical minded angle. So I think he's a good fit for our show here. Yeah, we're excited to have him on. He's actually, I think, the head of all their stats over there. I looked up his bio, Executive Director of Research and Development. That is a fancy title for Eric Eager coming up later in the show. And uh, Pete, actually, yeah, this is a question for you. But I'm going to bring it up with Eric, too, because I want to know the answer. But do these guys change the PFF to their name? And do you think they resent Ian Harditz for not changing the PFF? Because, like, he should be PFF Ian now. But here he is, this, this showboat <laughs> Ian Harditz out there keeping his own name. Well, everybody else is joining the cult and adding PFF to their handles. I know. I wonder how that sausage gets made. I wonder if Ian, part of his bargaining was just saying, I am too much of an institution. This brand has too much power and recognition. I can't change it. I mean, we had uh, Rich Rebar on uh, a while back and his handle is Lord Reeves, great handle. And he tried to go corporate when he started at Roto World for a little bit and went to uh, Roto Reeves and Twitter lost their minds. So maybe Ian Harditz went to them and said, hey, if I go PFF Harditz, I mean, people are going to be pissed. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to get to the bottom of that. I also, honestly, it was something that struck a chord with me too, because when I worked at Barstool, like a lot of the people there go with like Barstool, whatever, like Big Cat's Barstool, Big Cat, uh, Dave, Vel Presidente's, Stool Presidente, like they all, like it, that, I think Barstool more than any site out there, you really wrap a lot of your personal being. But for me, I just never changed it. I was just Chris Spags and I kind of felt like the audience maybe treats you more like a carpet bagger because you're just coming in and you're like, you're not committed to the brand because you're not giving your handle. It's like getting jumped into a gang. The key is to do so many different shows, Spags. That 
that no one entity can claim ownership over you or your Twitter branding. That's true. That's why I was lucky to, to tie you down to podcast matrimony because Pete's a hot commodity out there. Everybody's trying to get a piece of his voice. But Thursday Night Football, only one quarter in as we're recording this, so not a lot out there. But I will tell you already, Pete, the showdown situation with A.J. Brown for me loaded up heavily for him. Actually, I'll take you back a little bit further because uh, for a lot of people out there, I know we have a mix of the casuals and some of the hardcores out there. We're playing DFS using optimizers like Fantasy Cruncher or Roto Grinders or Fantasy Labs, whatever's out there. And um, for me, I was running an optimizer tonight as I always do for showdowns because I just try to take a little bit of that hand building thing away where I can get my numbers right, get everything lined up. And Pete, five minutes before the lineups were had to be put in, wasn't happy with my exposures, tried to delete a group, accidentally deleted all my groups. <laughs> I have... I got my guys at captain. I got the, the exposures right, but I have no clue what's matched up, which is so important for showdowns because it's all about correlation. Wait, so did you you realize this all after the fact or you had to redo everything after you deleted it? I had to basically remake the groups with three minutes left for the guys I knew I needed to get in there, like AJ Brown, uh, big play receivers, always great in the showdown slash uh, single game contest on FanDuel. Like, to me, that's the the move always. So I'm like, AJ Brown, I know I want to have at least, you know, 25% of my lineups with him. So he has to get Ryan Tannehill in there. Uh, but yeah, like the other guys, like T.Y. Hilton, I put in there too, because I knew I was going to have a little bit of him at captain. But Corey Davis running out there, I don't know if Ryan Tannehill's with him or not. Ryan Tannehill at captain, I don't know if he's got his receivers paired with him. It's just, it's Lord of the Flies in my lineups, Pete. And I don't know how you do this with your hand building. Uh, yeah, no, here I do. I use the optimizers for the showdown slates. Uh, but trust me, I have felt the, uh, the stress, uh, of all of it. I had today where I had made my lineups and exported it. Normally I do everything like bang, bang, bang. And I got distracted in, in similar, I was like 20 minutes ago. I was like, holy cow, I didn't upload my CSV. I was like, thank God. Cause I would have been so tilted at lock if my CSV is just sitting there. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's hard to, to, you know, cross all the T's and dot the I's. Yeah, I did all my I did golf this week, too, because it's the Masters. How could you not do some golf DFS? And um, like because of that, my football prep was a day behind. So I just did most of it today. And just the whole day, I was like, I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. And then when you accidentally delete your groups, it's just like, welp, I guess that's I hope DraftKings enjoys that few hundred dollars because I didn't need it. Why would I? It's not we have this podcast. We have Thrive Fantasy. Why would I need that money? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's the thing. You can uh, you can spin it however you want. You're like, oh, it's just going to lose anyways. What does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's showdown life. That's the way it goes. But Thursday Night Football, we'll update you guys if anything interesting happens. So far, the one thing that jumps out to me, I think this Colts defense is pretty pretty overrated, just been getting better results in their actual output. And when you go through the matchups, you know, every cornerback they have out there, Xavier Rhodes got hurt during the game. But uh, these guys, to me, Pete, they just look very vulnerable at Tennessee. And Tennessee, I think, kind of seems like the class of the AFC South, even though Indianapolis has been the best team so far. Like the Titans, I think, could compete. And, you know, we know they could compete. We saw them compete last year against the Chiefs and hang in that game um, and actually win in the regular season, too. But I think the Titans are a legitimately good team. And I think the Colts are a bit of a paper tiger who are going to get closer to 500 as this year goes on. No, I'm with you. I um I wanted to uh to bet the Titans because I I couldn't believe that they were home underdogs here and and like you said we were just a few weeks ago where they were squaring off as an undefeated team versus the Steelers there. Um I don't really get it. I'm with you too. I I think the Colts are fraudulent. I think they're a balanced solid team, but uh, yeah, I give me the Titans every time. And part of the reason why I didn't get the bet down is cuz all my money is tied up in a Joe Biden bet that hasn't paid out yet. I literally just emptied the clip. I was like this is a lock give it to me. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to wait forever until they pay this out. <laughs> That's it's tough when they're doing a, a nice Georgia recount. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. 
for no reason, really. Like it was a big enough margin, but we, we don't talk politics here, but that's, that is the risk you took, Pete, of, of tying up your winnings and in, in our American democracy, of course. Uh, that's where, it's where we really thrive as a country, no pun intended. Um, let's transition here because we'll, we'll keep talking Thursday night football. We both have the games on in the background, but uh, numbers don't lie, Pete. Philip Rivers is one of the stats, and I just want to get into it here because I love numbers don't lie. And uh, maybe this is a giveaway, but maybe it's not. Maybe this is all part of my sick mind games that I like to play with Pete here. But numbers don't lie. We do three interesting stats, and Pete is going to guess which two are true and which one is fake. And Pete, the first one up, Philip Rivers is often regarded as washed up despite the Colts' solid start this year. And there's one particularly bad sign for his prospects moving forward. Rivers is somehow worse in a clean pocket with a QB rating. Oh, I didn't film the QB rating because I got distracted. <laughs> with with an XQB rating, while he's somehow slightly better under pressure with an XQB rating. <laughs> so it cute. sounds like this might have been the lie. <laughs> let's just say it's a 10 point differential between the two QB ratings so Pete if you had an inkling here would you say that that's what this is what's nice this is a two-way market because I take a beating a lot but now it's coming up for me not only did I get it last week correct but now Spags again messes it up I, I'm feeling good let's keep going I will pretend like it's not obvious. Well, the point being, Philip Rivers is worse in a clean pocket than when he's getting pressured, according to the stat, which may or may not be true. Either way, an interesting thing to note if it is true. Next up, Olamide Zacchaeus was a surprisingly solid play in week nine with Calvin Ridley out as he went for four catches, 103 yards, and a TD on six targets. But his 145 air yards show why that stat may not matter as he had the same amount as Julio Jones, who disappointed his chalk with a five catch for 54 yards and a TD day. Pete, does that sound true to you? Because it's still possible the first one could be the true one. <laughs> no, that one I, that one did seem uh, true to me as well. I mean, I saw that big uh, pass that Olamide had, and I knew he was getting targeted downfield. I believe the majority of his air yards came on that on that long touchdown as well. So that one does check out for me. And the last stat up here in numbers don't lie. We all know about the Ravens past game disappointments this year, but nothing sums up their ineptitude thus far more than this. Willie Steed is the fifth highest passing yardage share in the league, despite just three targets and 37 yards per game. Pete, does that sound true to you? And I guess what's your final take here in this edition, this, this baffling and very curious edition of numbers don't lie. Yeah, so I this rings very true to me. I actually think I would have had this one because as someone who has Mark Andrews in uh, so many of my season-long teams, I played him in DFS last week, I know the tilt. Because Willie Sneed looks like a mini-me version of Mark Andrews to where every time he catches the ball, you're like, all right, let's go, Mark. And then you're like, wait, what the hell? That's Willie Sneed? So yeah, I buy this absurd passing yardage share right now and it's part of what's making the top options such a headache in in Marquise Brown and uh, Mark Andrews so yes I will say this is true as well so here's the thing Pete the problem is the Philip Rivers one is in fact true <laughs> I just what <laughs> I just didn't put the numbers in on time it's a 10 point QB rating differential I'll pull the numbers up real fast I didn't want to do this while we were doing the bit because it would have only made it worse <laughs> so it is so which is the which which is the the lie so the lie is the Zacchaeus one. He had a hundred more air yards than Julio Jones. They were not dead even. Julio only had 45 air yards despite his day. So he actually had a better day uh, than his air yards would have given. And of course, air yards matter, Pete. Why would I ever put a stat in there that shows that air yards don't matter? 
I can't believe this. I can't believe you mess up and you still won the segment. I mean, it's honestly, if the, if this were a trial, that would probably get thrown out, I would think, because the evidence was not properly handled. But yeah, under pressure, Philip Rivers this year, a 100 QB rating. Um, when he's got a clean pocket, only a 90 QB rating. His interception rate goes up to 3%, which is more than league average, 3.3%. Um, yeah, Philip Rivers, you can keep him wide open and he doesn't complete passes. But I guess when he's getting pressured, I would assume the reason behind this because the 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 blitz is rather um, going to open up some room underneath for Naheem Hines and some of those other running backs. So I think that's why. But you know that's a weird aberration stat and is differential between QB ratings with pressure and a clean pocket, the highest in the league. All right, all right. This is see. I I don't even know if I can trust you that you accidentally didn't fill that in. Like now I think that this was a false flag for me to immediately identify that as the wrong one just so you could win. I I can't trust you. I can tell you exactly what happened was I put in like the the base of the text because I was like, oh shit, I'm so behind the eight ball. And then the lineup thing happened. I was like, I have to jump back over to Fantasy Cruncher. Then I finished it and I was just like, oh my God, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> and I did the rest of it. And yeah, it turned out that that one was in fact true. Just, but you know, there were no numbers. So how are you going to know if they lied or not? Oh, I hate this segment. <laughs> Speaking of a segment that uh, that maybe you'll like a little bit more, Pete, and make sure if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button right now. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. And the review, just give us a little bit of a, a sentimental wedding guest book kind of thing that'll make us feel good about ourselves. You're getting on the ground floor of supporting this podcast that's just a monolith in training, as you can tell by the professionalism we bring to each segment. Uh, but that's the thing that matters the most to us right now. And here's an injury that matters, Pete. Christian McCaffrey last week in the Millionaire Maker winning lineup for our guy Mangiano Motorsports or whatever his name was. No disrespect to the Mangiano family. Um, Christian McCaffrey back on the injury list. Mike Davis uh, projected in some spots. Osmo, I think, has him over 60%. I've seen him upwards of 70% in some other spots. I, I don't, it feels like a trap, but Mike Davis is now the minimum price on DraftKings, that 4K minimum for running backs. And uh, I get it, but this feels very trappy going against the Bucks, and we know what the Bucks like to do to running backs. Yeah, I, I honestly hope that sentiment prevails because I do think he's a, a really, really good play. Um, I, I I think, you know, people got a little discouraged because of kind of Curtis Samuel's involvement the past few games when before Christian McCaffrey came back. I, I still think Mike Davis is going to get 20 plus touches in this game. And if you give any $4,000 running back 20 plus touches, I mean, it's very, very tough for them to fail. And so my hope is that people get worried about the the um, the matchup, and then he comes in a little lower owned than what I, I saw that same projection of Osimo, which I think is probably the right ownership projection. But maybe, just maybe, if we keep talking about the Buck Stout run defense, we can get him sub fifty percent. <laughs> sub fifty percent would feel good to me. This kind of strikes me as a Jamal Williams game where Aaron Jones was out and Jamal Williams was cheap, and you know it's, I, there are reasons to get away from him, but it does seem like he's probably a safe play. Like I have Mike Davis. Again, according to the Monte Carlo Sims that I like to do to get a read on how a guy is going to perform a relative to a standard deviation, his chances of getting the outcomes that you need in fantasy football. Uh, I've has a 50% chance to get above 20. So I think if you went 50% with him, like if he gets you 20 fantasy points at 4K, like you're probably really happy with that. So that to me feels like the threshold I would cut it off at. I'll probably go a little bit lower though. Like I think you can make a case. The Duke Johnson, uh, a guy who we've talked about before, another injury that actually matters. I would rather have Davis at higher ownership than Duke Johnson, I think, but it's 
the kind of question that a lot of people are going to ask, and I can guarantee in GPPs this week, you are going to find a lot, a lot of Mike Davis and Duke Johnson lineups. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is I kind of think Duke is actually more of the trap because we've seen this play out a lot where when someone gets injured in the game, that the backup who steps into the role isn't necessarily the role that the team envisioned for them. And so when he gets 16 carries, that was the highest or the most amount of carries he's had in his entire career. And so I worry that now with a week of game planning, I mean, this is the same team, and I know Bill O'Brien's gone, but this is the same team that would give Carlos Hyde, you know, 20 carries a game when they had, you know, Duke Johnson on the roster. So I worry that Buddy Howell gets 15 carries or whatever, and they put Duke back into his complimentary role. So I'm more concerned about Duke than I am Mike Davis. Like I feel pretty good about Mike Davis getting 20 touches. I, I think for me, the thing is, I certainly wouldn't treat them the same way where we know what we're going to get out of Mike Davis. Like we know he's going to get, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 25 touches, depending upon how frisky they're feeling. He's going to get that pass game work. And I, I think that's a fair point where, you know, I would have probably erred on going to Mike Davis anyway, despite the high ownership. But I do think it's just not, you know, they're not the same plays. You know, that said on a pure on paper basis. One thing that Duke Johnson doesn't do as well, which could be a cause for concern um, running the ball only 2.8 yards per rush so far this year. I'm um, granted that's might not be his fault because he's actually getting two and a half yards after contact. So uh, maybe he's just getting hit a lot behind the line, but David Johnson, four yards per rush, which is about, you know, like an average performance. So um, Duke Johnson actually might be like a, a sub replacement level running back, even though I know last year he was really good. So I'm kind of surprised looking at these numbers now. Yeah, and one other thing to mention for this game, and I know it's early, but based on the total, uh, I think people are pretty spooked. The um, The weather is supposed to be an issue in Cleveland. Again, 30-plus mile-per-hour winds projected. I know we're a few days out, but the total has dropped like six points, like a significant amount of points. So that's another consideration to keep in mind here. Obviously, it doesn't affect the running game quite as much, but we remember that week where you know, everyone wanted to play Kareem Hunt. He got all of the work, but when the game goes sideways, I mean, it, it, it makes it hard. We want the quick plays. We want the scoring, the bang, bang touchdowns in these weather games make that hard to accomplish. So just keep a tab on that. If you are interested in playing uh, Duke Johnson this week. Yeah, that was one of those things where I didn't put in my my totals. Usually, I usually do it first thing Tuesday morning and um, didn't get them in on time, got them in on Wednesday. And I was like, the line is only 49. That seems really low. And I presumed it was another weird weather day because this to me, this should have been one of the shootouts on the slate. And I think now it's one where if you are going to see heavy winds again, uh, we now know what Cleveland will do in those spots. They prefer to run anyway. They're running at a pretty high clip, a 49% rate uh, when they're running. So like, I think this game could be a little trappy. The ownership seems reasonable for it, but that said, you know, if the wind, the weather forecast changes a bit, like I don't mind going to this game because it just seems undervalued, you know, assuming that we know the weather's actually going to be a little more playable. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you as well. I think there's better spots, um, but you know, it, it's so funny. You know, I think it's one of the things that is hard to talk about on a show because weather and ownership are both very kind of important factors. And it's just really hard for either of us to make very definitive calls, you know, three days out. Um, so it's one of those things where if the weather isn't that bad, I mean, I still maintain that the Watson double stack to Fuller and Cooks is one of the cleaner, higher correlated, high upside stacks that never ends up too over-owned. So if weather and ownership don't get out of hand, I'll probably go back to that in spots. 
yeah, I think I would definitely want some exposure here. And uh, I was, I laughed because I was thinking about that guy who was so mad at us that one week when we put the ride or die picks out. <laughs> he was like, "Does this account for weather?" And it's like, "I no, sir. I'm sorry, it doesn't." But um, you know, we we do the best we can, and you know, and try usually not to err on the side of worrying too much about weather, but. Um, you know, we've seen this exact spot with Cleveland, that Cleveland Raiders game uh, a few weeks ago, as Pete mentioned, that was a pretty bad spot that ended up being uh, pretty much foretold by the Vegas total dropping throughout the week. In all Spags, I will throw something out here. And um, I, I mean, Spags and I are both very busy, but if you legitimately have a follow-up on one of our ride or die picks or something, and you want to on Sunday before and write us on the at splash play pod and say, Hey, are you still on this guy? I promise you, we will respond back. Uh, assuming you give us enough time and let you know if we've changed our mind on that. So if you are really tailing our picks to that degree and you want to follow up, just follow up with us on that. Oh, by the way, did you know, speaking of tailing our picks, I didn't text you about it because I just kind of blanked on it. Um, the Xbox came out on Tuesday. So that's really been where my <laughs> where my focus has been the last few days. Wait, but uh, I'm, wait, I'm so confused. I thought everyone's into the PlayStation right now. No, no, people like the PlayStation 5 as well. I've been a loyal Xbox guy. It grades out a little better spec wise. So that's the one that I stuck with. The Monte Carlo Sims like the Xbox. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I was running my Sims. <laughs> Xbox came out a little bit ahead. No, we're getting a PlayStation 5 for the living room, too, because my girlfriend is a Harry Potter app. Um, we, we love wizardry in this house. I, I have to love it by, by proxy, but I, I fucking hate wizardry. I'll tell you that <laughs> and if you're a wizard out there and listen to this podcast, unsubscribe right now. I don't want to hear it from you. Um, but yeah, I've been playing some PlayStation five and I remember I was going with this, but or so playing some Xbox and I love the freaking Xbox. That's the first thing. That's the most important part that everybody should get one, Pete. I don't know. You're not a video game guy, are you? I, you, I had an Xbox uh, when I was a kid uh, growing up, I would play some bond and uh, crash bandicoot. Oh yeah, okay. Crash Bandicoot was one of my jams. Um, but yeah, I have uh, I have an addictive personality, and I just don't have enough time to get sucked into video games. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Either way, I would give the Xbox my endorsement, though. Uh, some of the games put together are pretty haphazardly. My NBA 2K sim, it's just, I know people don't care. Just give me one second. To say I'll, this. Allow it, I'll, <laughs> allow. I'll drink my wine while you talk about your sim. So NBA 2K, um, you have a my player. You create a guy who's like, you know, could be somebody that looks like you, could be whatever. But I always go with somebody who looks like me who's named Chris Fags because I just want to feel what it would be like if I were a point guard in the NBA. And um, I played through it, like probably played it for a good eight-hour shift on between Thursday or between Tuesday and Wednesday rather. And then all of a sudden, like the, it didn't connect to the internet correctly. And then it erased my guy completely. So now he can't update and I figured out how to get him back, but like he can't progress and get better. And it's, it's really, it's honestly as tilting as a normal DFS slate would be. <laughs> it sounds like, um, your first pace person role play game with your mic, you know, it's just like, no matter how you hard you try your mic's quality just can't improve oh god that's why that's probably the wizards doing that to me that's yeah. that's why it all went south out of nowhere uh back to injuries that matter though because i will never remember what tangent i was going to go on before that other tangent Kenyon drake limited in practice after chase edmonds dud day in week nine a kind of an important one arizona in a matchup that should be pretty high scoring uh, one of the highest totals on the slate 56 point over under against buffalo you know, I don't love the matchup at running back, but I do think if Drake is out or if he doesn't get in after being limited in practice, I'd go back to the Chase Edmonds well. He's going to be 5% owned, it looks like. Let's say even that gets up to 10. Like, he's still a dude who got the majority of that workload. He just didn't get there because Kyler Murray took everything off the table last week. And um, I think this is an important one to watch, Pete. Yeah, I uh, I think it's very important to watch. I mean, the tough thing is, is Chase Edmonds had an elite workload last week. 25 touches, three carries, or uh, sorry, 25 carries, three uh, passes. And if... 
Kenyon Drake is back. We know that that's going to be lower. You know, he's probably more in the 12 to 15 touch range. And as far as DFS goes, now he's too pricey uh, for that. But I think he's still the better back. He's going to get more of the high value touches in the pass game. They like to use him around the red zone. Um, So yeah, I'm conflicted on this. I like this game, right? Like everyone Mm -hmm. wants to play guys in the Cardinals-Bills game. I'm trying to galaxy brain it, wonder, is it good for Kenyon Drake to be back in a limited fashion? And then you get Edmonds as a low-owned contrarian DFS play. Um, But it's not ideal. It's not ideal to have Kenyon Drake back. No, and uh, Kenny and Drake, it looks like uh, being projected for some ownership now. So definitely watch that one closely. You know, I think it, I agree, like from a GPP perspective, where you're doing those large field tournaments, having Drake back, probably going to drive Edmonds ownership down enough. But I think also the bad game might drive his ownership down enough last week. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things where you got to watch closely and uh, we hard to project talking about it on a Thursday. But right now it does seem like there's going to be some opportunity there in a really high scoring game. Another injury, pretty important. Ben Roethlisberger hasn't practiced. But the Steelers are acting like he's going to play. Um, I don't even know what his injury was. I didn't write it down here. I, I was, it wasn't COVID, was it? No, no, it was some kind of sprain, like MCL sprain. And he was just right, day right. to day. Yeah. Yeah, so a bit of a weird situation there. I presume that we're going to get Ben playing because I don't know why they would uh, make it so abundantly clear. And, uh, you know, they certainly don't want to play Mason Rudolph. I think we saw enough of that show last week. But Pete, any thoughts about this one? I feel like it's just worth mentioning because of Ben and the injuries and some concern with him, you know, getting knocked out of the game and then coming back last week. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think the injury is as big of a concern. And the COVID thing feels very similar to the Matthew Stafford one last week where he wasn't able to play and he was getting isolated. Um, but then he's just good to go on Sunday. So I do expect him to play. Um, and I mean, the one benefit about this situation is far as again, DFS, as a, you know, I point everything back to that. Um, people, I think just the, even just the idea of uncertainty is going to drive ownership down. I, I don't think many people will be playing Roethlisberger this week. So I definitely think there's merit to looking at him and he has these explosive wide receivers who are all, uh, appropriately priced on DraftKings. So, uh, I might be looking there a little bit. Yeah, and Joe Burrow, we know, can get results in some adverse conditions or playing Cincinnati. So, yeah, I, I think it's probably worth monitoring. Ben hasn't shown a gigantic upside, but I could see getting there with a little bit of exposure just because nobody will play him. And as he mentions, you know, just being able to tether Ben to the wide receivers and their upside, it uh, could be enough to get something going against a Cincinnati defense that's all, uh, allowing 400 yards a game. Uh, not good numbers for them so far on the year. Uh, another injury here, which I think matters, you know, we it's sort of tough to parse out with a defense, but this one to me, uh, kind of like Bradley Roby getting ruled out last week for Jacksonville. Uh, Jair Alexander has a concussion for the Packers, and I think to me, this is a really important one. Uh, DJ Chark is ill, so he's also questionable, but uh, to me, I would have probably not played any DJ Chark at all if you were going against Jair Alexander, who's shut down uh, pretty much everybody who's gone against him this year. I just want to pull up his yards per route covered real fast, but he's given up a point... 0.57 yards per route covered, which is one of the lowest marks in the league. So he's really been shutting everybody down. And when he doesn't get in there, Green Bay doesn't get enough pressure here. And Jake Luton, I mean, Pete, you know, and anybody out there who's watched the show knows that dude slang it last week. And we now have the full number seven deep throws of 20 plus yards, a uh, good accuracy on those throws as well. Um, I, I think the spot could be a really good one for Jacksonville. And I think it's one that I would be willing to go to if we know that Alexander's not in. Yeah, I I personally don't worry about the matchups as much. I think my concerns for Chark are just, you know, their implied team total is only 19. 
Um, you worry about this game getting away from them here. Um, and DJ Chark is kind of priced up. He's now at 6,200. We've been seeing him in the mid fives there. So he's not projecting as well as a points per dollar play, um, but he's not going to catch a ton of ownership. And if you think that, you know, the Packers get up early, um, I think there's definitely some merit to Chark racking up uh, a big volume day there in catch-up mode. There's also, again, some weather concerns with this game outdoors in Lambeau. So a few factors to pay attention to, um, even if Jair isn't on my personal radar. Yeah, and I would think too, you know, LaVisca, uh, it seems like he's back in practice, right? I didn't see anything about him. Yeah, so he's he's limited. He He's cheap. I, I think you could also, if, um, if LaVisca is still limited all week, Chris Conley's only 3,000 too. Yeah, that, oh, I, God, I hate that play so much. But when Chark is out, we've seen Conley get the work and uh, sometimes he'll do something with it. I just think Green Bay is going to probably put it on Jacksonville on the offensive side of the ball pretty hard. So I think Luton's going to have a lot of time to throw here or a lot of opportunities rather to throw um, just because Green Bay, gigantic total here. But you're right, that 13 point spread favoring Green Bay at home is, is not great for Jacksonville's prospects. Only an 18.5 point implied total there. Uh, if you're skipping around, make sure you hit that like button and uh, make sure you're subscribed as well on YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and review because it helps us out a bunch. And make sure you're checking out the pinned tweet on at Splash Play Pod. That is our free roll for the week where you can compete against me and Pete on Thrive Fantasy. We're all doing that. We're all, everybody. Everybody's involved with the show. Me, Pete, Willis. Uh, that's it. <laughs> but we're all <laughs> doing it. People who signed sure. our wedding registry. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's it. all the things you can do to support yourself. That's our give back to you for signing our wedding registry. Um, one thing I think that we could talk about up top here, our week 10 overview that we can hit on before Eric Eager joins us in a few minutes. Uh, no Dalvin Cook on the main slate this week, Pete, which I feel like has been sort of the big question the last two weeks. And thankfully, we don't have to worry about it. No Chiefs either. No Christian McCaffrey. So it's kind of a, a less star studded week, but I do think that gives a little more opportunity for GPPs. And I'm actually curious your thoughts on this because you could probably have said and forget it with Dalvin cook in most spots. If you were on the main slate, but um, without him, I do think that makes people have some question marks because people love chasing the guys who had a big game last week. Yeah, no. And he had been entering that territory of, it's just like the ultimate don't overthink it. And it's funny. I say that because the other guy that's priced up on this slate is Devonte Adams at 9,000. And to me, I'm now wrestling with, is this a don't overthink it spot? I do think there is some downside. We mentioned the weather. We mentioned the blowout potential. You mentioned his price tag. He's going to catch some ownership too. And then the other part of me is like, is this just Michael Thomas 2019 all over again? And his volume is just so elite that you don't overthink it. And because we have some cheap pump plays, you can play Mike Davis in a $3,000 wide receiver and easily fit in Devonte Adams if you want. So where are you at with Devonte on a, here on Thursday? So the Sims have him as being worth about 40% ownership in terms of being one of the top guys at the position, but value wise, like he's not anywhere near one of the best values, obviously being as Pete mentioned, nine K. Uh, so I'm going to play him. You know, I think that's sort of the thing is that I, I don't know that people are going to chase the ownership as high as it's projected. Like he's projected for 25 to 30 seems around the industry. And if he's going to be 40%, like I'd like to get at least to that 30% range, but um, you know, I'll, I'll go there because it does tend to be a play that works out. And that said, we've seen the floor for Devonte Adams. And if, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the outcomes that could happen, but if Aaron Jones is back or whatever, like there's a lot of ways that they can score in different ways. Alan Lazard might be back. So that could be problematic for him too. Like there are some ways it could get worse for Devonte Adams, but 
I think he liked Alvin cook. Like we've talked about with him. I think you have to get a good swath of exposure to him just because he has that ceiling. Like I haven't as having a 12% chance to be the top scorer on the slate. And even at nine K, if he's a top scorer on the slate, like you probably had to have him. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I agree too. And, and we mentioned like, the reason he's priced at 9,000 is because he's getting the workload similar to what the top running backs are mm-hmm. getting. Um, you know, I, I think where I struggle with it is just looking down like, man, Stefan Diggs has also been seeing elite volume. I like that game environment and he's $1,500 cheaper. Um, but yeah, I, I need to make sure that I have a little bit of Devonte Adams this week. Cause I faded him last week and he burned me. Yeah. Adams, uh, as- Pete mentioned here. So it's a little bit lower than a running back. Cause I was kind of curious when you said that, um, cause it sparked the thought process in my head. He's getting fed about 17% of their targets. I think the touchdown share is where he probably differentiates a bit more. Um, he's got, he's got 27% of their touchdowns this year. So he's like taking the most of the scoring. The thing is if green Bay scores, like it's pretty much him or Aaron Jones. And I guess some Robert Tanya, but his numbers are a bit inflated from that one week that the Adams was out. So I think if you believe that Green Bay has a good day here, then I think you play Adams. If you think that the weather maybe screws things up a bit, then maybe you don't. But like even weeks where he's had crappy matchups, like that three touchdown week, he had 50 yards, but he just kept getting these old dink and dunk touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I think it's one of those things where um, we're going to have to see what other value opens up on the slate and what we feel comfortable with. And the other thing that kind of always comes into consideration for me is like, the typical construction lineups, you know, like if people end up going to a studs and duds type construction this week, um, then I get a little less excited about it, but say everyone's game stacking these Arizona Buffalo, Seattle, Los Angeles Rams. Like you can't afford Devonte Adams with Hopkins and Diggs and Metcalf and Cooper cup. So I think that's what I want to get a feel for are, are people going for the game stacks or are they going studs and duds with the best plays and whichever one of those is less popular, I think is going to have some nice leverage. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting week and uh, certainly one to watch. You know, I obviously I would recommend the Osmo shows. I'll be back on their live before lock show on Sunday. But, you know, Pete shows too as well, like a lot of the Roto Grinder shows. Like just watch the shows, have watch people talking about ownership. I think this week is one where uh, the ownership, especially on top, it does look like it's really concentrated for the guys who've had big weeks over and over again. Uh, Keenan Allen going to be pretty well owned. Uh, the guy that, Pete mentioned earlier, Stefan Diggs going to be pretty highly owned. Um, he actually looks like the highest owned play outside of Mike Davis, which uh, a little bit risky, I would think, for Diggs, given that the touchdown equity hasn't necessarily been there for him. Yeah, and one thing that is interesting, I assume you're looking at Osimo's yeah, yeah. projection. Yeah, and the one thing that's fascinating, like I like looking at Osimo's and Levitan's over at ETR, and Osimo's is all math-based. Like he's mm-hmm. not doing any finesse. It's based on whatever his model, it, how it does it, whereas Adam is reading the room. He's putting his finger on the pulse with stuff, and so it's interesting to watch them because they, they each have their strengths in different spots, um, and I think... Diggs's ownership will end up being um, a little less than what Osimo has it at. It's that seems high to me, but I get where he's coming from with that just because he projects as such a smash play at 7,500. And it's, I think it's worth talking about too, just uh, as a quick thought, maybe actually something we could talk about with Eric, if, he, if we have enough time with the ride or die picks, but uh, you know, the, the idea of just merging projections together, ownership projections to find that middle ground. I mean, that is something that works out really well for the actual projections themselves, which are, you know, a median representation of what you expect the player's outcome to be. And I know there was some longitudinal study of, of that site, the daily average, I think is what it's called, where they just basically subscribe to a bunch of sites and then probably not the most legal thing in the world, but you know, it, it makes sense. They just merge like 10 different sites 
insights projections together. And then that gives you the best projection because you're getting a projection of the projections, which sounds insane, but that actually does make sense. And ownership wise, I agree. Like I know that Osmo does account, like, you know, their team does account for some stuff, especially on Saturday and Sunday, the news things and the way that things are blowing and you know, which way people are talking about things online. But, you know, if you mix ETRs and Osmos together, you mix ETRs and Fantasy Labs and Roto Grinders and Osmos together, you know, it's a lot of memberships to have, but it could be a bit of an advantage. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I noticed, too, is I think Osmos uh, are really good, too, specifically for the large field stuff. Mm-hmm. And Adam does a really good job of on, like, what the kind of sharps and the higher stake players are going to gravitate toward. So what I notice is Adam's end up, being more reflective of like the single entry in three max ownerships where the top plays get pushed up because more people funnel to those. And Alex's seem to do um, much better in the larger, you know, the big $3 20 max or the big Millie yeah. maker contest. He does a better job of like incorporating, like just strictly by math, how like if X amount of people are playing this guy, they all can't be playing this guy. And so I think it is kind of, again, a thing about contest selection too. And I've been talking with people like Brick and, and Leone of like the next evolution of DFS is where we could get like contest size specific ownership projections because they do vary. Yeah, I, there's been a lot of arguments. I know Blender talks about that. Blender HD, Jordan uh, does a lot of that talk about that too. And yeah, it's it's worth noting, especially you try to, you know, I know that we have kind of a mix of people who've been playing DFS forever, who also do season long in DFS and approach it with a data mo- focused approach. And we also have the casual people who are just figuring it out. So you know, the first step is to get a read on ownership in general and understand why things are where they are. And as you start to get more advanced, you know, maybe you build on that and try to do some of those different things. Um, real quick overview thing, you know, not something I think we need to delve in too deeply, but just looking at it now, this Chargers Miami matchup really interesting to me in a way that I didn't expect, you know, coming in, I haven't taken enough of a full deep dive of every angle so far, but you have Tua versus Justin Herbert on paper, not the best total here, 48 point over under, but like, I like this game. I'm very curious about this game in particular, just going through all of them. Like that one jumps out to me besides Buffalo, Arizona. Like, I think that one has the most you know, both DFS appeal as well as just, I want to see how this goes because Tua really got good last week just going against Kyler Murray. Like it felt like he had his role challenged in a way and he just like kind of played it slow to start and then really came through. Yeah, this game's interesting because the Chargers have like, the explosive pieces that I get excited about, you know, Herbert has that kind of Josh Allen skill set where he's tossing the ball downfield, he's rushing, he's speeding up the game. And then on the flip side, though, the Miami Dolphins, like there's lots of really nice prices there. I mean, Devontae Parker at 5,000 without Preston Williams, I think is a really nice price point there. Um, I'm kind of out on the tight ends. Um, specifically Mike Gusecki. They're mm-hmm. just using um, Adam Shaheen and, and Smythe so much um, that I think he's a tougher call. But this is probably a game I'm not stacking up, but picking some one-offs. Like Jakeem Grant at 3,000 is another good you know, punt play wide receiver. So yeah, this, this game's interesting to me as well. And I think because so many people are going to focus on Arizona Buffalo and Seattle uh, Los Angeles. I think this game will fly way under the radar. So this is, this is bad, but you know what? I just remembered that I wanted to say before, before I got distracted by the Xbox thing. What? <laughs> it was that I won the ride or die picks last week because of Jacoby Myers. Oh, the Monday night. Yeah. Cause Monday night. Cause he went off and he was the winning captain. Oh my God. What was, <laughs> what was the score before that? Um, uh, I can pull it up real fast. You got, 
Yeah, because he was a he was a ten point captain. Player. He was a ten pointer, and I got the thrive pick, which you also got too. That's those are only one pointers in our little ranking system. But uh, yeah, see, going into that, uh, see, so yeah, I got eleven points on the Monday slate, and I only had one point going in. So uh, you finished with seven. You finished with eight, and I finished with twelve. Okay, look at Jacoby Myers. The the side and what? Yeah, my thrive pick, I believe, was the Rex Burkhead. Can no, you had James White. So you James had James White, White okay. right. He got 24, actually. So you had him at 23.5 receiving yards from Thrive, and he got 24 on the nose. There you go. <laughs> so that's that's how you win, just by the barest of margins. Also, just real fast, Jacoby Myers kind of looking like a beast. Like, that was a yeah. really fun game. Yeah, I mean, his target share was like Devontae Adams' level target yeah. share. I mean, absolutely dominating. Uh, we are going to have Eric Eager joining us here soon. Should we do... I didn't mention troll play to him. Do you want to do troll play just us two yeah, so we can yeah, hit real ride or die? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. So we can just focus on the game by game with him and, and also make sure we get to the bottom of this PFF at handle kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, but the troll equity troll play of the week, of course, the play most likely to screw over a large portion of fantasy players, preconceived notions of success. And um, I mean, I feel like the logical place to look would be something related to Mike Davis or Duke Johnson, but, but Pete, I'll let you go first because I'm actually not sure that there's something that jumps out for me. Yeah, I will. I will because normally what I like to do is look at who are going to be the highest owned guys um, and if who's going to basically create the most tilt. And so if Mike Davis is over 50% owned, I mean, the tilt here, it's Curtis Samuel, right? I mean, if Curtis Samuel is getting these red zone touches again and everyone's playing Mike Davis or you see them, maybe they do even, I'll do like a double tilt play. It's like Chris Manhurts or like Ian Thomas. <laughs> I'll do the double tight end. Like they will do a play action at the goal line to Mike faking it to Mike Davis. And then he throws it to Chris Manhurts for the TD. I'm being very specific. So then when it does hit, we can clip this up and I look like an Oracle. <laughs> that's, that's a fair one. I think for me, I'm going to go the Stefan Diggs way. Like I like Diggs a lot, but I do think there's not as huge of a difference between him and John Brown in terms of just the opportunity they're given and what, especially with Brown being healthy now. Like I think we kind of saw it last week where Diggs got more work, but Brown is certainly heavily involved. And I think in this game, I feel like John Brown going off at much less ownership than Diggs would be to me uh, the very trolly thing that, that only Smokey Brown can do. And um, it also would make me happy because I just like John Brown. There you go. And uh, looks like we have Ooh. the man, the myth, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. He, sounds like you're pretty busy tonight. We are. I mean, we. Uh, I was doing a little bit of spotting. The the Troy Aikman, uh, you know, like the analytics thing was sort of fun because it's you know one of those things where you know we're get you know information's coming in on on all fronts there. So, uh, but now the game's at halftime. Did they did they end up making that field goal? Uh, my bootleg stream, I, I know you are doing this with Fox tonight. I'm watching this on a bootleg stream, uh, and he's about to kick the field goal. So I'm, I'm living in the past right now, Eric. Rivers, I'm River, watching, Rivers yeah, I'm watching taking, AT&T too, and I think they actually just froze him on the kick. So, or there's a flag, so they're re-kicking it. Rivers taking that sack is just peak Rivers, isn't it? Like, he's been mostly brilliant tonight. And then, uh, you know, funny that Indianapolis could manage to stay in this game despite going for it on fourth down and not making it in the first half. And, and so even, even I was just going to say, just to clarify, you're doing stat research and then, and then feeding that to the announcers so that they, for kind of talking points during the game. Well, yeah, that we, and we do that for Chris on Sunday night yeah. football. So we've done it for a while, but it's, it's just something that we've, um, you know, we, we oftentimes will do. Yeah. Nice. 
So here's the question, because I'm curious, and we got a lot of questions for you, Eric, and make sure you're following at PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, all the PFF guys are great, but Eric doing a great job uh, bringing a lot of data and different content to you guys out there. But your title, Executive Director of Research and Development for Pro Football Focus, what does that entail on a daily basis? Because you have so many data-minded guys there on really on every part of the team. And what does your day-to-day look like for this, where you're you're doing VIP work for Troy Aikman, you're, um, I'm sure, very analytically friendly guy, uh, but what does it look like for you on a day-to-day? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is is helping, you know, the really smart people that I, you know, that work for us, you know, help them, you know, get them the information they need, get them cool projects to work on, um, and then work on some of them with them. So, you know, you know we have you know, really bright people, you know, George Shahuri, Kevin Cole, I know you guys know, uh, Timo Riske, and now we just hired Lau uh, Shushi. So he, like, we have a really, uh, you know, great group. And like my job is is in, mo- in many ways to sort of direct uh, sort of the the traffic insofar as where the research goes, um, you know, uh, you know what we work on, sort of what we focus on, and then how we present it to, you know, we have a various you know set of you know clients, you know teams and and uh, you know media members, and uh, obviously you know content, uh, you know, which goes out to a lot of people. I have one other question too, because I think a lot of people out there are curious. We kind of, Eric, have a mix of people who are either, you know, playing DFS or watching the show, listening to the show. Um, and then some of the newer, like, you know, more casual people who are getting in the DFS, trying to learn the data more. Where did it start for you? Like, what did you feel like gave you the sort of bona fides to be able to do this for a site like PFF, where you have so many sharp people there and you jump in and you're, you know, the king of them all. So how does that, how does this journey begin for you to just analyze football on a pure data level? I, I mean, I was a math professor for six years, and then I was bored with that. And and I and so PFF was kind of right in the beginning of charting data, and I sort of you know wanted to you know write for them. And then eventually, like the things I was doing there were kind of like using models and and trying to be more predictive and trying to understand the game more than just saying, "Hey, this guy got a seventy six grade." Uh, you know, I, I wanted to say, okay, well, what did that mean? Like, what happens when you break down the composition of this guy's performance? What kind of things can you glean from it? And, you know, that was like that got gained a lot of traction because, you know, you know, everybody's just trying to, you know, whether you're playing DFS or whether you're playing, you know, sports betting or you're drafting players for one of our team clients, like you're trying to figure out like what subsets of data are the most meaningful and what are noise, right? And and you know, we've 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 gained a lot of ground in that area. We have so much further to go, I think. Um, but that, you know, to me, like that's where sort of just asking the right questions, I think puts many of us in the right positions to succeed in this in this realm. Eric, one other thing before we get to our ride or die picks here. Uh, one thing that had been going on in the DFS community recently was this battle over the nerds and the jocks, the guys that use their gut feel, the ones that use the analytics. You are, you know, it, people might not know this, but you are a former college football player. Do you self-identify as a nerd or as a jock? Because you have to pick one. I was actually uh, at the office the other day with, I think, a bo- uh, more bona fide former jock and Chris Collinsworth, and we were talking Debatable. about we were talking about uh, you know why I wasn't a successful football player, maybe he was, and like the mental aspect of all of it. I was, I'm totally too introspect. Like I don't have the, uh, enough of a dog in me to be actually be good at football. Like I would, <laughs> I made it because I was, I'm 6'3", 230 pounds and could run pretty fast. Like, but when, once the talent level got sort of on level with me, I didn't have the mental aspect to play uh, very well. And so I think I'm always going to identify with the nerds. Um, I'm, I'm a person who like watched film of myself and realized I didn't matter that much. And it was like, it just, <laughs> 
stone cold, like left me like lost for, you know, weeks at a time. So, um, yeah, it, I certainly identify with the nerd side more so than the, the I, now the I'm just side. picturing uh Hermsmeyer watching your film and being like generational talent, Eric eager out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we had a conversation the other day about me as a teacher and I told them straight up that I was garbage at certain teaching certain classes. So I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm very like honest about my shortcomings in, in past lives. You need a little bit of an ego boost, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Something to give you a hype man would be great. Um, one other question before we get to the ride or die picks, because this one just it doesn't bother me, but I'm just curious. Um, and I talked with Pete about it before you came on, but I used to work at Barcelona Sports at there at that site. A lot of the guys have Barcelona in their handles. PFF, kind of the same thing. Your PFF, Eric, there's PFF Sam, a lot of the other PFF guys. But our pal Ian Harditz comes in, the bell of the ball, social media diva, coming in with the helicopter picks. We get it. He's got the chopper, but no PFF Ian. What, does that create any sort of disharmony there for you guys where you're all PFF? You're basically Smurfs giving your names there and, and Ian's just running around willy-nilly. I'm going to shout out one of the most important people in our company, the chief technical officer of our company. His name is Ian Perks. And I think he actually owns PFF underscore Ian. And and to to you guys' point, when we hired Kevin in 2019, we already have not only a PFF underscore Kevin, we have an underscore PFF underscore Kev as well that preceded Kevin. So he even had to sort of circumvent that and put PFF on the other side of his name. So there, there there are a lot of tentacles here. There are actually people that work for our company that don't spend like a couple hours a day trolling people who think running backs matter on Twitter. They're like, (laughs) they tweet less than, you know, the, the, the folks like me. So make sure you are following at PFF underscore Eric and make sure to check out pro football focus. Really. Um, I only pay for a handful of sites. I love the data on there though. Eric, one of the things, I don't know why you guys don't have snap counts somewhere exportable or if it's somewhere that's just hiding from me, but that's the one complaint I have after being a multi-year PFF member. So if you want to make, let me, let me get you that. (laughs) Thank you. That's all all I could ask. The VIP treatment is all we wanted to have you on the show is Swags wanted direct text support. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah I wasn't going to email support. I was like, Pete, can you just book somebody? So <laughs> it's done. Well, let's do the ride or die picks. Of course, the time of the week where we have an arbitrary scoring system and we give our best play fantasy wise or sports betting wise and each game on the Sunday slate. And uh, Pete, if you want to give a quick explanation to Eric of the rules, uh, just so he knows what he's getting into here. Yep. So uh, I mentioned it to Eric. You can pick any kind of bet you want. We basically scale it based on how aggressive you are. If you pick a spread bet and over under a 50% chance probability, that's worth one point, a little bit more adventurous, say like a 30% chance hit rate, that's worth three points. And if you want to go the moonshot, the Hail Marys, those are worth 10 points. And because we only have Eric here for the halftime, I think we're going to go super rapid mm-hmm. fire today for these ones. Yeah, we're doing the Adderall version of the ride or die picks. So if you like those, uh, maybe speed this podcast down as well. <laughs> podcast. Uh, Jacksonville getting 18 and a half implied points in their game against Green Bay, getting 31.5 implied points over under a 50 here. Eric, you are the guest. So you can take your pick between all the fantasy plays and bets available in this one. Ah, oh, man. Let, let me lay 13 and a half with Green Bay. Jacksonville stinks. Okay, so set it up easy. Not, not No hero ball like Pete might do here. So Pete, your turn. Um, I'm going to actually do a 50, 51 here too. I, I think, I think we get the Devonte Adams, uh, f- uh, flop this week here. You know, we got weather concerns, you know, they might be able to do it on the ground defensively. His projection I'm looking at right now, 24.1. I'll take the under on 24.1 DraftKings points for Devonte Adams. And I'm going to take advantage of the aforementioned Jair Alexander injury that we think uh, will lead to him not being in. And I will take 
either of DJ Chark or Chris Conley uh, getting 100 yards in a TD. If Chark is in, obviously, that's who I'm going with. But I'll take Conley as the fallback in case. Former Chark Chiefs great, Chris Conley. There you go. Yeah. It's never a problem with going to Chris Conley when DJ Chark is out, as we all learned on that showdown slate a couple weeks ago. Uh, next game up, Philadelphia getting 24 implied points. The Giants getting 20.5 implied points. Game total of 44.5 here from Vegas. Pete, you may take this one first. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about Jalen Rager. I think we saw flashes of him before he got hurt. Now he's back fully healthy. I will say Jalen Rager is, scores the most points of any skill position player in this game. All right, Eric, I'll let you go first here, even though I could take something, but I want to see where your head's going to go so I get a read for the competition. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Travis Fulgham flopping in this game. Um, James Bradbury has been a, one of the best free agent signings in the entire NFL this year. Uh, and, you know, he when he's matched up against number ones, uh, he's been great. Uh, and it, it's it's hilarious to say this, but Fulgham's the number one in, in Philadelphia. And we just came out with our war metric today. Carson Wentz is a bottom 10 player in the NFL in terms of wins above replacement. So Fulgham is a flop. I could have told you that as somebody who played a lot of Carson Wentz and saved you guys some number crunching time. <laughs> um, I will take from the Giants side, I'll take Darius Slayton getting over 20 fantasy points in this one. I, I don't know that I feel great about this, but I just feel like Philadelphia is still the defense, not quite there. And somebody has got to do something for the Giants. One would think, uh, so that's who I'll take in this one. Next game up, Houston getting 22.8 implied points. Cleveland getting 26.3 implied points over under 49. As Pete talked about earlier, some weather concerns in this game. Uh, that said, I, mm, I'll take Nick Chubb getting over 20 fantasy points in this one. I feel like coming back from an injury, that feels like a decent bet for him to get some work. Even though Kareem Hunt you know, had the role, didn't do a ton with it um, in his timeout. Chubb's back, so uh, going against Houston's defense, that run defense, terrible. So that's my pick. Pete, what about you? Yeah, so Duke Johnson's going to end up being chalk this week. He had 20 touches last week. I think the te the Texans go back to their tomfoolery. I, I feel like we're going to see the, what is it, like Buddy Holly or Holloway or whatever. Like I will say Duke Johnson under 12 touches this week with the backfield to himself. 1950 singer Buddy Holly having a great week. <laughs> I had to look up the Texans depth chart. Eric, do you even know who's who's going to get carries behind him? Uh, I, I have no no clue. Last year was it like Tyler or no? It was um Tawan Jawan Jones, right? Or Tawan Jones? Yeah, right? like, Tawan Jones was there. Yeah, and, and it was yeah, and, and when he caught the ball in that playoff game against Buffalo, I would have I would have bet all my I would have bet that it was uh, Tyler Irvin, the guy that's now playing in Green Bay. Who yeah, used to wear that number. So yeah, I have no clue that the, the, who the third string guy is in Houston. Um, I think I'm gonna take I'm gonna swing for the fence here. I'm gonna take Houston on the money line plus one fifty five. Oh, okay. Like so take, taking Houston to win here. Um, and also worth noting, Deonta Foreman uh, getting a touchdown today for Tennessee after years being Houston's guy that they thought was going to be. A lot of Texans fans thought that guy was going to be a great running back, and now he's just taking touchdowns away from Derrick Henry. Uh, next game up, Tampa Bay getting 28 implied points coming off their debacle earlier this week. Going against Carolina, getting 22.5 implied points as the home team here, 50.5 over under. And Eric, we're back to you. Take the first pick. I'm going to try to swing again for a, uh, a, you know, basically a 30. I'm going to go Teddy Bridgewater, no interceptions. Ooh, okay. Like those pl those props I love. I love those because for quarterbacks like Bridgewater, they're normally like plus 130, plus 140. So go for go and take that, that one. Buccaneers reeling a little bit on defense. 
Actually, Pete, before we go to you, uh, Eric, real quick thoughts on Mike Davis, because we had our debate about him. Uh, going to be the highest owned guy in DFS this week, it looks like, at minimum prices industry-wide. And how are you feeling about him in this spot going against the Tampa Bay defense that you know is very good against the run, but has given up days? You know, Alvin Kamara comes to mind, a guy who's gotten yeah. a lot of short passes. Is that Mike Davis for you this week, as, or is he going to disappoint people as one of the highest owned guys? Yeah, Devin White is not graded well. I I want to say he gave up like something like eleven for eleven in his coverage last week. Uh, I, I that was when they stopped the vote. But I I was, um, you know, I I I think Levante David's fine. Um, the thing with Carolina that's always always makes them fantasy weird is they try to limit possessions. So like in the in all these games, like the first game against the Saints, there's like seven possessions. So like I I don't know. I don't think I could eat the chalk with Mike Davis just because I don't know how many times Carolina is going to get an opportunity in this game. Um, you know, and, and hence why I kind of like Bridgewater under interceptions. I just don't think it's a high, it, it's a high volume game for either team. All right, Pete. So with that in mind here, what are you going to do? Are you going to take Mike Davis? <laughs> I'm going to go to the other side here. Uh, I am on the record. I did a, a show where I battled with the chat for an hour saying Antonio Brown wasn't going to be a league winner. So I need to dig in my heels here and I'll say Mike Evans, you know, the guy everyone is now down on, I'll say he goes over 20. DraftKings points this week. Carolina hasn't been good on the uh, outside there with their secondary. I was just thinking that Mike Evans, 100 yards on a TD too, because of him complaining so loudly last week. It does seem Tepper Tantrum could help him out, but I guess I'll just run contrary to you. And uh, 33 routes run for Antonio Brown in his debut. So Antonio Brown, 100 yards on a TD. That's a spite Pete's pick. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do things around here, Eric. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by our loathing for each other as a married podcast couple. (laughs) Oh, the PFF forecast is very much like that with my co-host, George, and me. So no no worries about that. That's a great podcast, by the way. If you guys don't listen to that, definitely check that out. PFF has a bunch. We we plugged Ian Hardis' podcast, but check out at uh, PFF underscore Eric. Uh, The link is on his bio, I believe, on there. Make sure to check out all the PFF podcasts. They do a ton of great content in addition to all the data that they have to Pro Football Focus. Next game up, Washington, 21.5 implied points. Detroit, 25 implied points. Game has a 46.5 point over under. Pete, what about you? What do you want in this? Yeah, this one's a little tricky. I wanted to go back to Hawkinson this week. He didn't practice today. Popped up with a foot injury. I, man, uh, does does JD McKissick keep getting all of these targets? Um, I am floundering here. Let's say Dusty Marvin Jones continues to take advantage of uh, the emptied, vacated targets here. Goes over 20 DraftKings points. All right, Eric, what do you want in this one so we can burn through these a little faster for the sake of you and the important things you are doing for Fox right now? Uh, let me – I'm just going to go Washington Moneyline. I feel like they're going to be end up being, plus, what, plus 150 or so. Um, let me swing for the fence on this one. And, Eric, I do want to give you the out with the game starting. If you if yeah. you do need to dip out, please uh, please head yeah, out. Let's do, let's do one more game. Perfect. All right. So, yeah. So, uh, for me in this one, I'll take Terry McLaurin um, going against uh, really whoever they're going to put out there. Probably shadowed by Desmond Trufant based upon the wide receiver cornerback matchups for Detroit that I can get on PFF. Uh, next game, Buffalo, 27.5 implied points. Marquee matchup against Arizona, 28.5 implied points. Over under 56. Eric, hit it first here so we can let you get back to your important job. Even though this is over what is now a key number in the current NFL, let's take over 56. Uh, at 56 and a half is someplace I even see it. I don't see either one of these defenses stopping either one of these offenses. All right. And Eric, if you want to hit the the plugs real fast, you can go do the work that you have to do. Uh, follow at PFF underscore Eric. Check out the podcast on your bio. Check out Pro Football Focus. Anything else you want to hit on? 
No, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for being accommodating. You know, it was a, it's sort of a fast uh, day today, but uh, this is a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, we'll do it again soon. Uh, and uh, you can tell Troy Aikman that Naheem Hines did start the second half for the, uh, the Colts. He'll appreciate that. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs> right, thanks, Eric. Yeah, Follow at PFF underscore Eric. He faster one than we usually do here, but Eric had a limited window of time here. And we want to make sure we're getting you guys the best guests possible. And really uh, somebody providing a lot of value to PFF and to the community overall of, of people following fantasy football and football and trying to make sense of it. So make sure you're following PFF and follow at PFF underscore Eric. Uh, Pete, what do you want in this game with Buffalo and Arizona? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely with Eric and and just thinking that, that we're going to see a ton of points here. Um, I'm kind of interested in Gabriel Davis here at 3,400. Mm. Uh, he had five targets last week. He also had a touchdown that they didn't call a touchdown, which was a touchdown. I will say Gabriel Davis ends up in the winning Millie Maker lineup here at 3,400. So for the second straight week, you think he's doing that? Yes. <laughs> Okay. I feel like now that I pointed that out, you felt a little worse about that. No, why why am I not allowed to do the same pick? I, I pick LaVisca <laughs> Chenault every single week. That's my brand. <laughs> right. Oh, is Gabriel Davis a new Visca? Uh no. No, oh, okay. It's hard. I hard don't to... have a Gabriel Davis signed helmet. <laughs> That's true. It's hard to hard to fill in the LaVisca and the uh the Patrick Laird holes in your heart that are there every week. Um, on my end, I guess, oh man, no Hopkins against white. I do not like that. The white is questionable. So that could definitely open up Hopkins a little more. Um, do we have a negative bet here for Hopkins? Cause Hopkins is going to be projected for 20% ownership. And I do not like that in this matchup. Um, so I'm seeing him projected for 19.67 points. If you want to do similar to what I did with the Devante under. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the under whatever that may mean. Um, yeah, that seems, uh, is that like just a one pointer? Yeah, because it's okay. just playing the the line at the 50-50. Okay. Oh, oh, almost Phil almost got picked off. This game has actually been kind of exciting, but hard to keep track of while we're doing a show. So <laughs> hopefully you guys are enjoying Thursday night football here. Uh, but yeah, I'll take the under on Devontae Hopkins or Devontae Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is over uh projection here of a 20.97, it looks like. So 21 we'll say flat. He goes under that. Uh, next game up, Chargers getting 22.8 implied points against Miami, 25.3 implied points for them. Over-under is 48. And uh, Pete, I'll let you go first again here because why not? Yeah, let's see. This one is interesting. I think in this game for DFS, Keenan Allen is going to draw the most ownership. Will you give me 10 points? Jakeem Grant outscores Keenan Allen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would give that. I'll give that. He's projected for double the, the <laughs> amount of points. So uh, yeah, I'll swing for the fences and hope Jakeem Grant busts a long one. Yeah. Nobody really picked up that Isaiah Ford uh, vacated opportunity that he left behind. And uh, Grant did run out of the slot a little bit more. So did Gasicki, but uh, neither guy really did a lot with it. Um, man, I really don't love a lot in this one. I'm surprised I they didn't price Grant up after that. Like they yeah. kept him at the minimum. I guess because he didn't do a lot with it, where it's just like, right. you know, they don't really price up for opportunity. They price up for results. So I guess that's maybe part of the thing. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll go against you directly. I'll take Keenan Allen, uh, millionaire maker winning lineup. All right. Keenan yeah. Allen, death taxes and Keenan Allen getting 10 <laughs> targets. He's been great. Also, I know we can't talk about it legally, Pete, but I'm still in first place in my best ball league on DraftKings. And now we're getting <laughs> close to the playoff time. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You will. Uh, did you hear that knock on your door? FBI is about <laughs> to kick the door down if you don't open up. 
there's so many things they could be here for. <laughs> That's probably yeah. one of them. It's your wizard slander is really what they're there for. <laughs> sure, the, the FBI known supporters of Lord Voldemort and all of his pals. Uh, next game up, Denver getting 23 implied points. Vegas getting 27 implied points. Um, I'm going to go easy on this one. I'm going to take the under. I think people are chasing the highs of both teams. And I think today, or not today, on Sunday, we're going to see the lows. So I will say that this is a an under uh, under 50 over under on this one. Um, yeah, you know, my... My brain says I should pick some more gimmies here, but uh, my heart wants to continue to do hot takes. I will say that um, I will say Tim Patrick um, scores the most fantasy points for the Broncos. So that'll be a three pointer because I don't have the guts to say more than Waller and Jacobs, but I say he leads the Broncos in fantasy points. I think, and and this not to shame your pick, but I think just an observation, I think Jerry Judy took Tim Patrick's role while he was out. Like I think based upon some of the deep targets he's been getting, but maybe that could flip back. That could be one of those short terms. Tim Patrick had nine targets last week in in almost a hundred air yards. So his role is still pretty solid. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's against Atlanta. I'm curious to see how Denver does this week because we talked about the Drew Locke thing on the last show, but I just don't buy it. And I just think like this week we're going to see Drew Locke kind of, uh, I was gonna say is like his his dick is gonna just like shrink back. <laughs> That's the not thing is, like I'm I'm actually down on Drew Lock too. Um, but I think I think Tim Patrick and Judy both of their roles are pretty locked in, and I actually think most weeks the production will kind of flip back and forth. But we're just coming off of two big Judy games right now, so I get the excitement. I mean, Jerry Judy is in the air yards by low model, despite going off last week. Like he is still underperforming his volume. That's how many air yards he's been getting. So I, I like both of these guys, but I think Tim Patrick's still flying under the radar a bit. Yeah. Tim Patrick's still getting that work and still a lot left behind by no Cortland Sutton out there. And also worth noting our boy, Albert Ogui Boonham uh, out for the year towards ACL, which does open up a little more opportunity for these guys, um, including Noah Fant, but really everybody there because um, Ogui Boonham was one of I'm saying it right, right? I was just going to say, you've been saying it with such confidence and zero hesitation. I like this. I think I'm, I'm saying a little too gooey instead of cooey. Yeah, there is a little gooey. But again, when you say something with confidence, it doesn't even matter. Even me who knows how to pronounce it, I'm just like, yeah, Spags has it. <laughs> yeah, he's out now for the year, which sucks because I actually liked him. I thought he had a, a nice little rapport with Drew Locke, but unfortunately not working out for him uh, with that injury. Next game up, the big one that we talked about earlier, Seattle 26.8. Actually, no, this is not the big one, but another big one uh, that we haven't talked about at all. Seattle 26.8 implied points. Rams 27.8 implied points over under 54.5 that has steamed down a bit over the past day. Um, I guess you could go this uh, this one first, Pete, because I don't know what I want to do here. Sorry, will you say that again? I got distracted. Everyone's screen grabbing this shot from the game where they put up a graphic of number of children and it says Patrick Mahomes zero, Aaron Rodgers zero, Philip Rivers nine. <laughs> and I was just dying laughing that they put that up. They Sorry, needed the Monday Night Football graphics team to do a little animation of that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, the birds and the bees edition. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what game? Uh, Seattle 26.8 oh, implied, yeah. Rams 27.8 implied, over under 54.5. Yeah. So one guy that, um, did I, okay, no, I'm going back to the well. I'm going back to the well. Last week I tried it with Will Disley. This week I'm trying it with Jacob Hollister for 10 points. Jacob Hollister outscores one of Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. There. Okay. (laughs) All right. Sure. Why not? Um, yeah, I mean, Jacob Hollister got a lot more work. I thought Disley was going to be a little more involved, and Hollister was really uh, the one who was getting all the looks. So 
for whatever that means, maybe that's a good sign. Yeah, he, it was his, it has been like the one constant has been like they're phasing Greg Olson out and then Disley and Hollister have been kind of mixing in, but Hollister led the team in routes last week, had six targets. And again, I think this is just one of those games. If, if you buy into the cornerback matchups, people aren't going to want to play DK Metcalf again because of Jalen Ramsey. Um, theoretically, there might be a little bit more over the middle for Hollister. Is Jalen Ramsey hurt? Because he's not on the, the depth chart or the, the wide receiver cornerback matchup chart. Oh, really? I have I have no idea. I don't I, even I pay attention that. to that. I just I just know people aren't going to play DK Metcalf because of the cornerback matchup. Oh, uh, they must have PFF updates and cycles, so they must not have updated, guys. I think he was hurt and then now he got cleared on Wednesday. So he'll be out there. Yeah. So you're you're fine there. Um Jared Goff not getting owned here, even though we continue to see Seattle get killed by everybody. They're giving up. There's some number with this that I completely lost now, but their defense is giving up such unreal passing numbers every single week. And we talked about the overall number. It's still at uh, 362 passing yards per game for Seattle that they're allowing. Uh, Jared Goff, I do think they're not getting enough pressure to make it uncomfortable for him. Only a 20.4% pressure rate for Seattle. We've talked about Goff. He falls apart if you don't keep him clean, but I think the Rams can keep him clean based on this over-under and that. So I'll say Jared Goff. Ooh, millionaire maker running quarterback, Jared Goff. All right. All right. Yeah, Goff is like, he's such an interesting one too because I think normally you're right. Like everyone just looks at defense versus position. Seattle gives it up to every quarterback. On the other hand, we saw a few weeks ago, Jimmy Garoppolo flopped. I think people get nervous by Jared Goff. They get nervous by Sean McVay and his weird kind of erratic tendencies. And then on top of it, we're not getting him at the Jimmy Garoppolo 5,400 price. He's 6,500, which you're having to pay for that nice matchup. So I, I am really curious to see where his ownership settles. Yeah, he's projected for under 5% by Awesome So, uh, you know, not to just, there's a lot of ownership out there. That's just the one that I have in my sheet from my many years working there. But um, yeah, Jared Goff just not appreciated. Only 3.7% ownership on him. Sure, why not going against Seattle, who's just everybody looks like a monster at quarterback against Seattle. Uh, next game up, San Francisco getting 19.5 implied points at New Orleans, a 10 point favorite, 29.5 implied points, over under a 49. And uh, Pete, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, so Richie James had the big game last week, looked really good, had a .98 whopper, just like an elite amount of uh, opportunity and efficiency on that. But Brandon Ayuk is back, and I mm -hmm. think Brandon Ayuk is kind of going to step into that elite wide receiver role again. I will say Brandon Ayuk over 20 DraftKings points. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a fair observation. Also worth noting, Kendrick Bourne status still up in the air, so James may get opportunity to play. Uh, Bourne tested positive, then negative, then positive again, then negative again. <laughs> so his status is up in the air. Um, so yeah, just I think that's worth pointing out real fast. And I'll take... Man, is Michael Thomas going to finally come through? He has been so bad. Uh, is Michael Thomas over 20 fantasy points? Is that a viable play for us at this point? <laughs> Uh, Cardi's projecting him for over 20. So that would be a one pointer. All right, then. Um, yeah, you know, it's screwed just for the sake of time here, because somehow we ended up going long. That's probably on me, <laughs> but I'll take <laughs> Michael Thomas over 20 fantasy points for one, for one point here. He has been so bad though. I think his role might've changed in this offense too, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I know my, Michael Thomas is a tough one. I'm, I'm leaning toward, buying the dip. I think at 7,400, if the ownership's in check, um, you know, I think he would have had more targets last week if it wasn't for that weird game, you know, against the saints or, uh, against the Bucks. So I, uh, I think Michael Thomas is a pretty good play. 
it just it scares me because he's run. You know, we've only seen two games, both against the Bucks, so that's a little bit weird. But only getting targeted nineteen percent of the time, like that's just so low compared to how much they're feeding Kamara. But um, hopefully, it, it switches around this week because the Niners uh, do not have a lot left in that secondary. Cincinnati getting twenty implied points against Pittsburgh, twenty-seven point five implied points over under a forty-seven point five here. And um, I will take James Conner over 20 fantasy points after he was so disappointing last week. I think this week they realized, hey, let's give him the ball against the Cincinnati team giving up 5.2 yards per rush and 144 rushing yards per game. I think Conner, this is the week he bounces back after killing so many lineups last week. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think um, I was reading a stat from Ben Gratch, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, and he was saying that the Steelers ran a ton of these empty backfield sets And so all of the snaps were down for the running backs. Like they just kind of called a weird game plan against the Cowboys where they weren't trying to pound the rock. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were really, they're using Ray Ray McLeod as this extra wide receiver there. Um, So yeah, uh, I'm not going to do a James Conner, but I do think he's a really nice play this week. Um, I will, I will keep going back to the chase Claypool. Well, Um, he had a really nice opportunity again last week. I believe he had what? Yeah, he had 13 targets last week. I mean, really nice. So at 5,800, I'll say um, he goes over 20 DraftKings points. I'll also say be weary of uh, or be wary of Joe Burrow. 57.2 uh, rating QB rating under pressure. Um, not getting picked a lot yet, but that's probably due to get worse because he's got a 22% sack rate when getting pressured. Uh, Sealers blitz at a very high rate, despite what Garrett Gilbert showed last week. That's a problem for a lot of QBs out there, especially a young QB. Uh, last game, the Sunday night football game, Baltimore, 25.3 implied points. New England, 18.3 implied points. A very t- surprising twist for the Patriots fans. have gotten so used to beating up on the Ravens. Over under on this game, 43.5. And uh, Pete, I'll let you go first here. If you want to take a showdown, Captain, of course, so this is a 10-pointer we like to do here, which sometimes bails us out for the week. Yeah, I'm just going to go down with the Mark Andrews trip. You know, it's like DJ Moore and Mark Andrews. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go till the bottom of the ocean with it. So I'll take Mark Andrews winning showdown captain. Um, I guess I will go. You know what? Let's get weird with it. I the spot would be to go to Marquise Brown for showdown, but what we talked about with Willie Sneed earlier, Willie Sneed showdown winning captain. <laughs> God, now that now that just really steams my beans. And we got to do one more, Pete. Of course, the Thrive Fantasy Pick of the Week. This is the one that matters the most. One pointer for us, though, but it matters the most emotionally. Make sure you're checking the pinned tweet on at Splash Play Pod. $500 free to you guys for our community, really just for our community. There's a password. The password is win on it. So if you enter that password, you can enter the contest. Uh, but it's really just for our listeners so and, and viewers. So get in there. Take advantage of it. Uh, Pete, what is your Thrive Pick here of the week? Yeah, I'm going back to the Stefan Diggs one. I, I had it last week. He soared over it. You know, they have it set at 77 and a half. Um, the projection systems I'm looking at have Diggs uh, around 90 yards. So I feel pretty comfortable taking the Stefan Diggs over in the uh, the highest over under uh, total of the week. Give me the Diggs over here. And I'm going to take Terry McLaurin over 0.5 receiving touchdowns. Uh, you get 115 points for this. And this is a big part of the, the Thrive really economy is when you get these big point totals here uh, that seem a little bit weird. The under is 85 points the over is 115. It's not showing on Pete's screen right now for some reason, but in our contest um, it is, and he gets 115 points. If he gets the over here, I like Terry McLaurin a lot this week. So that's my, uh, that's my play here. It sucks that he had the big week last week, but I think this week could also be good. 
Pete, what do you want to plug here? Longest splash play episode. We tried to time it out and went, in fact, the exact opposite. Well, I figured we j- just while I'm here, you mentioned, uh, I thought we could show people um, real quick how they can register for right. this free roll. So I'm here in the Thrive Contest Lobby. And if you scroll down here, you'll see it right here. $500 NFL Week 10 splash play free roll. And then Spags, are we allowed to say the uh, the promo code here? I don't know what the rules are. Well, the password is win, win. So it's not the same as the promo code. So that's why, yeah, just check the pin suite if you get confused because it's a little bit counterintuitive. They had a redesign though. So that's, that's nice. Uh, the site looks pretty, pretty swank right now. But yeah, answer that password win, you get in there. And then if you want to deposit money, they are matching up to $50 with the promo code SPLASH. So uh, that's an easy way to build your bankroll. In addition to our free contest, you could e- easily leave this weekend with $100 on Thrive and make it work for you. I like, I'm not trying to speak ill of anything, but I literally put in the barest minimum of effort on Monday for the Monday night football slate on thrive. And uh, Pete was like, Hey, they have some things up. Like check this. And I was like, yeah, it's a good idea. I'll throw one line up in amidst my showdown ones. And I probably, in terms of ROI had a much better ROI <laughs> on thrive than I did on DraftKings on Monday. Yeah, I did one of the, uh, the four way parlays for tonight. Um, you know, I think they're, these are looking all right, except the Ryan Tannehill. He seems a ways away here from, from hitting this one, but yeah, they're fun. You can do, you know, two, three, four leg parlays. Um, I put in five bucks to win 55 and it's a, it's a fun little, uh, sweat here for these Island games. And they do have the GPP tournaments as well. You're competing against people like our free roll. You're putting in 10 picks and then, you know, whoever wins at the end, uh, it's, it's honestly a little bit softer than some of the other sites out there, which is to your benefit if you're trying to win money so you can play and, you know, and maybe pay for your extravagant lifestyle. So make sure you are playing on Thrive Fantasy. Check the pin tweet if you want the simple, easy way on Splash Play Pod uh, to see how you can enter and hopefully win some free money. Pete, anything you want to plug here before we call it quits? No, just don't forget to sign our uh, wedding registry on iTunes. Um, my mom loves going through those, seeing you know what a wonderful time people have listening to her son on the podcasting airwaves. So do please sign that. Yeah, please sign that. Follow at Peter Overs at follow at Chris Spags. And uh, we'll be back Sunday night after Sunday night football. It's the back half of the season, guys. So start to cherish every moment, both with this podcast and with the NFL. Because the end is much closer than it may seem. Uh, so please hit that like button before you go. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars and a review. And we'll be back Sunday night. So thanks for watching. 